Hello, welcome to our new series, Unlocking the Future, EU Industry Days podcast. We're presenting insights, trends and challenges, but also the fresh opportunities emerging from Europe's industrial transformation. In this episode, we explore the story of the single market, a defining feature where people, goods, services and money can move around freely within the European Union. For many, the single market is the biggest achievement of the EU. While the development of a common market was already at the core of the European Economic Community when it was created in 1957, many barriers persisted for a long time. Overcoming them to consolidate the common market and unleash economic growth became a necessity after the oil crisis and led to the European Single Act, a treaty that reformed the decision-making mechanisms of the EEC and set a deadline of the 31st of December 1992 for the completion of a single market. This was eventually launched on the 1st of January 1993. We will soon celebrate 30 years of the single market and it is therefore a good time to look back and reflect about the future. Our speakers today help us explore the single market's past, why and how it was conceived initially, but also how it is seen today, notably by young people and the current generation, and indeed whether they take it for granted and what the benefits are that shine through. So joining us to talk about that, we are delighted to welcome the very esteemed Pascal Lamy, who currently coordinates the Institut Jacques Delors in Paris, Berlin and Brussels, but of course is the former Director General of the World Trade Organization the Commissioner for Trade under the Commission Presidency of Romano Prodi, also the Cabinet of the Commission of President Jacques Delors. So a huge wealth of experience. Thank you very much, Monsieur Lamy, for joining us today. Could you begin by telling us the story of how the single market began? Uh, when it was clear in Samal 1984 that uh, he would become President of the uh, European Commission uh, Delors started looking for a sort of new ambition, a new horizon to relaunch this process of uh, European integration, which had been, let's say, a bit bumpy and a bit slow in the previous years. Then uh, he decided that in order to determine, to define this sort of new venture, he would travel and meet all the heads and governments of the then 10 member states, plus the two candidates, Spain and Portugal, and he came with a sort of shortlist, uh, Mrs. Thatcher, uh, Mr. Gonzalez, uh, Mr. Lubers, uh, Mr. Cole. What about doing this or that, defense, currency, economy? Uh, so he ticked the various boxes where he got the answers from the heads of government. And then at the end of that, uh, the conclusion was that there was one idea where there seemed to be a potential consensus to base a new dynamic for Europe integration. And that was this notion of moving from what at the time was called the common market to a single market, which was, of course, a great leap forward. Uh, hence, the idea of uh, setting an objective setting a time horizon and then aligning the various political uh, energies, uh, the technical capacity to get there. That's roughly how it all started. 
Well, let's fast forward now to the current day. And I'd like to get your thoughts on how you think the single market is currently perceived, particularly in light of Brexit and the COVID crisis. And they've shown that the single market cannot be taken for granted. So what do you think is the current status quo and and how do we avoid any future collapse or any future threats to the single market? Well, uh, I don't think there's any threat uh, to the single market except its uh, imperfections. Uh, The reality is that the single market is the one indisputable big asset of the European Union in this world. So on the one side, it's a formidable achievement and our main asset worldwide. On the other side, as we all know, there still is a lot to do in order to reach a really single market in many areas. We've done a large part of the job in uh, goods, but there remains a lot to be done in services. And as we know, the more dynamic, the more growth enhancing, the more job creating part of our economies is now services. And notably in the digital era. Although uh, if the question is what you like most about the European integration, the first answer will be that I can travel I have a common currency. I can uh, benefit from this big market. Uh, For new generations, uh, they believe it's a given. For many young people uh, today, uh, showing a passport at uh, some sort of a border in the European Union uh, really looks like uh, Middle Ages. And being able to buy anything uh, anywhere with a click uh, without having to pay custom duties is something of an evidence. So I think in this sense, there still is some pedagogical progress to be made with younger generations. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the counterfactual that really works. Uh, if the question is, what if we would re-put borders? young generations would scream. They probably would go down the streets and demonstrate against such an idea. We're also talking to Anja Fortuna, who is the Slovenian Vice President of the European Youth Forum. Thank you very much for joining me, Anja. Tell me, what is your take on the EU? We've heard about the origins and how it came into being, but what does it really mean to you? Yeah, very interesting question and indeed very important question since EU is something that we have been living now and it's really important for us people. EU for for me as a young person and I I assume that also for my generation means that um, we are not just defined within the borders of our countries, but we are defined broader. So we have more languages, we have more opportunities to go beyond our countries, and we have options uh, to move from one country to another, to meet people all around the continent, um, but then also to get opportunities and projects through Erasmus Plus and other projects that help us Uh, kind of to boost our creativity and to find our ways of living. Well, we heard Pascal Lamy saying that many people of your generation have grown up with the single market and almost take it for granted. It's, It's a defining thing that's almost always been there. Have you discovered or experienced anything that was suddenly taken away because of, for example, things like Brexit or the pandemic? 
What are your thoughts on on whether the single market is immutable or is there any sense that it's always been here so it will always be here? Yeah, I, I was checking the dates when this single market was launched and it was the year that I was born. Uh, so it, it started when basically I was uh, born and I do not really recall how it was before. But um, my country, Slovenia, entered the EU in 2004. So I do recall how it was before that. Um, I live in Slovenia quite close or relatively close to the Italian border. And with my family, we went um, to shop to Italy uh, quite often because the variety of products you had there was much broader. So I think that one of the aspects for sure is this aspect of um, accessibilities to different things that we can now have because of the single market and because the goods are, are shift around and can be shared from one part to another. Um, I was also thinking that one of the good things is that um, there is more opportunities for us as a young uh, person when we look for job opportunities. Um, so you do not just look within your borders, but you can go broader. And also, if you start as a young entrepreneur, I think you immediately start thinking about a bigger market, not just um, your country. So this is something that, you know, we've been used of thinking of and it was not a shift that we needed. Um, but then um, the pandemic um, took a lot from us in a sense of the mobility. So we were used of traveling all around Europe, not um, even needed to show our IDs. And this was taken away um, from us. How I see this single market is something that has to go further and we should not take it for granted anymore. But what we have to make sure and is as well a question that we have to ask ourselves is uh, if this, uh, the single market, if it is able um, to help our society's transition to a fair and sustainable economy. So to consider not just the shift of goods, of people, but also how is this helping our society um, to be more fair and more sustainable, both for nature and also for us as, as human beings. Well, it would be good to say that perhaps there is a silver lining to the COVID pandemic if it does mean that everyone is reminded of the importance of the freedom of movement, which we hope people haven't taken for granted, but maybe because it is there we do. Let me also ask you then, we've talked a lot about the benefits of working together and partnering and, and being a single market in Europe. There is a growing thoughts in some countries that they want to protect the nationality of, of products or like in we see across the water, this idea of buy American and so on. Are there losers as well in the single market or do you think it's just a matter of communicating better about the needs of a single market and against this sort of protectionism? For sure, there are some, let's say, losers regarding this. The Oxfam report showed that while individuals um, were stuck at home, the capital kept flowing towards the richest and uh, increased inequalities. So how to as well make sure um, that these inequalities do not happen because of that. And um, in my country, um, so my background organization is um, rural youth and we also have young farmers. Cheap and low quality um, food is coming from other countries and uh, kind of pushing them aside and them, them not being able to um, to sell their goods, sell things that they that they made. So it is happening that they're um, kind of on this losing side. 
Um, but yeah, as, as, as it was, as you said, uh, this aspect of kind of how to communicate about it and how to brand it, this also helps. And I, I believe that um, when it comes to food, we do have to make sure that it's sustainable, local, um, and that it benefits the planet and, and people producing it and as well buying it. Well, I think the, the simple answer uh, to your question is that you need to properly level the playing field. So opening, increasing the size of markets, creating economies of scale is the way to go. But you need a number of conditions so that this is felt by producers, by citizens, by populations as fair, which is why we need a, a strong apparatus of disciplines in order to make sure within the European Union that competition among our producers is done in a fair way. Well, I'd like you to look into your crystal ball and gaze into the future now and give me an idea of what do you think the single market could or should or indeed will look like in about 30 years? I think uh, 30 years from now, uh, it will be uh, even more single (laughs) than uh, it is today. In my view, whereas we probably are, let's say, two thirds of the way, if you take a sort of growth average uh, between a single market in goods, a single market in services, free circulation of people and capital, we probably should be 90% of the way 30 years from now. I don't expect we will get to 100% because this necessitates a lot of detail and a lot of EU top-down prescriptions, and there's a limit to that. But I think we still have a margin of improvement, which on the occasion of this uh, uh, anniversary, uh, we should seriously reconsider together, both around the table of the European Council and uh, with uh, the Commission and the European Parliament. Anya, do you have any final words you want to leave our listeners with as we wrap up? Since this year, 2022, is the European Year of Youth, I'm really looking forward to hearing more opinions of young people on all the topics that the EU is covering. And it's kind of a call to decision makers um, to involve young people as much as possible uh, because we do have things to say and we do want to contribute to the EU. Absolutely. Thank you very much for contributing and for adding your voice to that Year for Youth in our EU Industry Days podcast. That's it for this episode of the Unlocking the Future podcast. Check out more in the series and please do like, share and show how much you care about each topic online. This podcast series is an initiative of the European Commission and is part of EU Industry Days 2022, Europe's flagship annual event on industry, taking place in the week of the 7th to the 11th of February 2022. For more information on EU Industry Days, visit the website. This podcast was produced by VO with the financial support of the European Union. Its contents do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Commission.